Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Twilight Tonic, as always, I have the most amazing guest, and this guy is from my hometown, and he worked at WHIO, and I grew up in Dayton, and we have some of the same memories, but he's done some amazing work. He has written Jif, The Talking Mongoose, and The Eighth Wonder of the World, available on Amazon, The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla, available on Amazon as well, and his new book, Mimics the Others Among Us with his co-author, Shane Castile, and he has guest authors on there as well, which is pretty awesome. And one of them, I believe, is Lon Strickland, and I've interviewed him before. What an awesome dude. And then he also is on a podcast called Paracast with Gene Steinberg. How are you, Tim? Why, Dee Dee, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on your show today. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you. And I'm so excited because we both lived in Dayton. <laughs> yeah, that uh, for me, it was a little bit uh, uh, a few years ago. And uh, I worked there for about uh, five, four or five years before I uh, moved on to the uh, PBS station in uh, Indianapolis. But uh, awesome. but yeah, I uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed uh, living and working in Dayton. And uh, when uh, when we talk uh, later about uh, Nikola Tesla, I'll, I'll tell you a story involving uh, Tesla in Dayton, Ohio. Awesome. I can't wait. That is so cool. I had no idea that Tesla was in Dayton. <laughs> he wasn't, but uh, uh, well, we'll, we'll just, I'll save it for when we talk about him. <laughs> awesome. Tim, I have a question for you. You are involved in a para podcast and the paranormal. What drew you to this? Did did an event in your life happen that you're like, wow, I need to further investigate all this? Well, um, what happened with me, and and like a lot of other people uh, that I'm sure that you've talked about, uh, you know, my my interest started um, at a pretty young age, but 
really not exactly like a lot of other people would say. Uh, when I was about in third grade, uh, there used to be a thing that uh, uh, that Scholastic Books used to put out. It was uh, like a, a newspaper for kids. Mm-hmm. I can't remember now what it was was called, like the uh, 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 Weekly News or you know some something along those lines. But it was an aggregate of the uh, top headlines, and it was written for you know kids. And our teacher would go and pick out stories and give them to the kids, and then you know the kids had to write an essay and then and then present it in front of the class. Well, one time I got a story about UFOs, flying saucers, and I have to admit I really had no idea what that was. I mean, I'd heard of them. I'd heard of them before, naturally. You know, you, you don't grow up in the 60s not knowing about flying saucers, right. but I really didn't have that much interest. You know, I was a Hoosier boy, um, interested more in like race cars and basketball, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote, you know, probably <laughs> as good as an essay as uh, a third grader could on the on it, <laughs> and uh, pre- presented it, and uh, and I was then pegged for the rest of my school life as the kid who believes in flying saucers <laughs> and little green men <laughs> from Mars and stuff like that. You know, it's like, ah, oh, how do I get that? You know, I suppose it could have been worse things. Yes. But you know, that, that was, that was the thing that, you know, I was, I was now the weirdo who believed in flying saucers, even though <laughs> at that point I didn't. Uh, but what, what, eventually drew me into it all is when people would come to me by themselves, you know, as a group, you know, they'll make fun of you and stuff, but they'll come to me, they'd come to me by themselves and they'd say, you know, I don't believe in this stuff, but, Mm -hmm. and then they proceed to tell me a story about how, say, their, their family saw a UFO while they were on vacation or, or you know, he saw his his uh, uh, great grandmother who had passed away appear at the foot of his bed, mm-hmm. and it was those kinds of stories coming from people who really weren't interested in you know like any kind of publicity or or, or making you know money or things like that. Sure. Now, they had a weird experience and. Didn't know. First of all, they didn't know how to process it. All right, because now, with the exception of those of us who are interested in, in, in mm-hmm. these kind of things, you know, listen, people who listen to your show and others, you know, uh, this kind of stuff isn't really strange. But you take just a person who gets up in the morning, you know, has a coffee, go to work, that's what comes on, right. watches television, and they have a weird experience. There's there's no place to file that away in your brain, right? Because exactly. Ev- yeah, every day, our normal experiences. There's that filing cabinet in your brain where you know you process it, and you place it, you know. But if one day you get up and you go to work, and suddenly a UFO lands in front of you, and little gray guys get up, get out, <laughs> and collect plants and rocks, and then fly, get back in and fly away. Where do you put that? Where do you file that away in your brain? And so many people 
they, you know, they actually get to the point where they wonder if they're crazy. Did I really see that? Am, am I nuts? And they can't tell anybody. You can't tell your friends or family. Oh my gosh, family's even worse. Oh, yeah. you know, unless you had some, you know, unless you had somebody who, who was there, you know, with you as well. But even then, you know, nobody's going to believe you. You're going to get laughed at. So mm-hmm. most people just, you know, they just shut up and they internalize it. Uh, you know, for the rest of their lives, a lot of times, try to forget about it. You know, ignore that it happened. So. These people would come to me and they would tell me these stories and then I could tell them that, you know, that's that's not that weird. I've talked to a lot of people in my life who've had the very same kind of experiences and no, you're not crazy. <laughs> and you could just see a lot of times the weight lifted off of these people's shoulders Oh yes, and they'll walk away. Yeah, they'll walk away. They may never ever tell anybody else again, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, because they got that acknowledgement that they had an actual experience. There may be no explanation for it, but they're not crazy. They actually saw it, like thousands, millions of other people who have had unusual experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's really what attracted me to all this and drew me in. Were all of these people who who have had these strange experiences, and you know, to me, that's that's what is just so fascinating. I mean, sure, the experiences are fascinating, but the people's reactions and the fact that these are people who um, really have no desire, you know, to tell anybody else or to advertise their experiences, right. which you know, just always that really convinces me that. Yes, these things are actually happening. No, they're you know people aren't hoaxing them or trying trying to make money uh, because of all the stories that we hear. We probably only hear about one percent mm-hmm. of all the experiences that have that have happened to people uh, over the year. And boy, wouldn't it be fantastic to hear even another couple of you know percentage points yeah. of these stories that you know people will never talk about. You know, a funny story. My mom actually saw a UFO years ago when she was pregnant with me with another car Mm. behind her. And she pulled over and they pulled over and they got out of the car. They looked up. They saw it. They looked at each other. She said they couldn't speak. And she was driving between Potsdam, New York and St. Clair, New York, which Mm. is very remote in some areas. Mm -hmm. And her parents hounded her her whole life and, you know, tons of experiences throughout her whole life after that. And the interesting is in the 90s when I was young, just got married, my mom called. She goes, I just got a call from my mother. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, she saw one. Huh. And I didn't know what to say. I'm like, okay. She goes, she believes me now. So in a way, I kind of giggled. I was like, well, my mother was, you know, very matter of fact, you know, in the 80s, she worked with computers, you know, she was an engineer, she was very a matter of fact type of person. And it was really interesting when that happened. She goes, I feel relieved. Because her whole life, you know, they'd make jokes about it. And it made her uncomfortable. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. until all the way up until she passed, Tim, she talked about her experiences. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Isn't, isn't that interesting, though? Uh, uh, because, you know, like I said, uh, family can be worse <laughs> when yes. it comes to, you know, teasing you and, and not believing you. Yeah. When it comes to these experiences. Exactly. Now, if 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 your mother had said that, um, you know, she had pulled off and somebody had robbed her, you know, or, or a soldier or something like that, they would have believed that. Yes. Exactly. But something, you know, something like seeing a UFO and, you know, it's just like, well, you've been truthful for your entire life, except for this one time, and we're mm-hmm. never going to believe you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that, that's, an, that's an interesting, I don't know uh, what the word would be, glitch kink of the human psyche, that uh, when presented with something out of the ordinary, uh, most people will tend to either completely disbelieve or completely believe to mm-hmm. the to the point of insanity, right. or ignore it completely. And there's a lot of that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, people who will have these kinds of experiences, and then just, you know, it never happened. Yeah. What are you talking about? Nothing, nothing, you know, um, you know, I've I've talked to people who have had group experiences of say like UFOs or ghostly sightings and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you know you'll have uh, one person who will be like, "Yeah, you know this 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 happened," and be able to describe it, and then maybe somebody else who is right there say, "I didn't see a thing," and that's my story, and I'm sticking <laughs> to it. <laughs> and, you know, it's 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 almost like if I choose to ignore it, it didn't happen, and mm-hmm. it's not going to then disrupt my already established worldview. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we all have this view of the world. And then when something strange happens, and this is why I started the podcast, when something strange happens, you can't explain it. And if you weren't raised like I was raised, I was very lucky. You feel weird or isolated. And how many people that you've talked to feel isolated in this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that, you know, I wanted to do was to uh, not only to to research and investigate these stories, but then to try to help these experiencers, you know, not feel so alone, you know, not uh, uh, just... Um, try try to to help them understand that what they saw, what they experienced, while it may seem to be an isolated incident, mm-hmm. they're not. They're not. Right. Uh, I would say that probably everybody at some point in their life will have had a weird experience. Exactly. You know, and you know, they may be small. Mm-hmm. You know, something flies across the room, or you put your <laughs> keys down and they they disappear, only to end up, you know, in a uh, desk drawer 
mm-hmm. in your neighbor's house. <laughs> you know, wow. Ways, <laughs> you know, to, uh, you know, to the, uh, like I said, the UFO landing in front of your car and the, uh, the guys getting out and, uh, and trying to clean your windows. I would like that. They can clean my car anytime. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, come on over. You want to clean the house next, guys, please. Yeah, yeah. Now, Tim, oh, yeah. have you had any experiences that made you go, uh, wow? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, for me, it's interesting because uh, uh, off the time I'm naturally uh, associated with uh, uh, my my interest in UFOs mm-hmm. but uh, I've I've never really had any um, uh, good UFO sightings uh, about uh, about the only thing I ever had was uh, one evening I had put the dog out and in the uh, um, southwestern sky there was like a, a, a bright red light just uh just hanging there kind of look like a uh oh like a maybe like a traffic light or you know, the, uh, 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 red uh, reflector you know on the back of your car that is very bright and i have uh, uh some astigmatism so you know it kind of looked that you know that star-like look to it it was very bright and i watched it for a little while and then it just and it was just hanging there and then it suddenly it just you know blinked out and so I waited for a while to see if maybe it was, uh, you know, like an airplane mm-hmm. coming towards me. You know, because at night, if you have an aircraft that's moving towards you, for a long time, it looks like it's just hanging there in the sky. Right. But but nothing ever came, nothing ever came by. And, uh, and as far as I know, there are no um, 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 stationary red lights. On, on an airplane, they, there's like blinking red lights, and that's it. No, you know, non-blinking uh, red lights. So, you know, I, I don't know what that was. Interesting. Uh, but I've had, I've actually, I've had more, you know, what would be called, you know, uh, uh, paranormal or, or ghostly um, types of experiences. Uh, uh, one of them actually happened uh, when I was uh, uh, working there in uh in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> and um, at the time, there had been a um, a poltergeist story that was coming out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, um, with a uh, with a young girl and her family um, that were, were were being harassed by uh, by a poltergeist. There's a famous picture of this girl where she's she's sitting at a uh, in our living room and uh, a telephone is um, being flung across her. Um, and uh, the newspaper photographer who just happened to be there and caught it wow. as it was uh, flying through the air uh, past her. Was that in the well, 80s? Because, yes. I yeah, remember yeah. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Continue. I oh, remember yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that story got a lot of uh, national uh-huh. attention. Uh-huh. Well, because of our station's coverage of it, um, we were contacted by a family that lived uh, uh, outside of uh, Springfield, Springfield, Ohio. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this was an older couple. Uh, uh, their children had were grown, but they had recently brought in their grandchildren, a little boy and a little girl, to live with them because their their parents were in trouble with the law. 
So shortly after that happened, their 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 house started having you know kind of the typical uh, uh, poltergeist activity, you know, knocks on the wall, uh, things moving around. So um, the news director at the station, I mean, he wasn't really that interested in covering the story, but he knew I was interested in that kind of stuff. So he mm-hmm. passed it on to me, and so I actually I I. I went out to their house and 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 took my um, my camera and uh, uh, other equipment with me, you know, hoping that maybe I could you know uh, capture something. But as soon as I went into the house, all the batteries that I had fully charged were dead. <laughs> and you you know you have to remember that you know back in the eighties, the you know television, the portable television equipment, you know. They were fairly big things, you know. You mm-hmm. had a camera, and then you had a uh, a, a deck which uh, held the uh, videotape. Uh, they're three quarter inch uh, videotapes, and both the camera and the deck, which you you know would sling across your shoulder, had separate batteries. But not only were those batteries dead, but the bag of uh, other batteries that I brought with me were dead as well. Oh even though goodness. I had charged them all, made sure they're all well charged even before it can. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll skip a lot of the details, but I'll just say that uh, what finally happened is that uh, as we were sitting around in the living room talking, and uh, I could see the children down the hallway from where we were uh, on in one of their rooms playing a game on one of their beds. There was a loud kind of almost like a, a a boom or a thud, like something that hit the wall of the house really hard. Mm. And then we saw like uh, uh, little white rocks start uh, falling from a uh, a place in the ceiling, kind of in the uh, the central of the central part of the uh, the, the living room. And uh, it's just like you know, just one after the other. It would almost be like if there was a hole in the ceiling that you couldn't see and the rocks were dropping down from that. Mm. So it's probably about maybe five or six uh, of these rocks. And I picked them up, and they're actually kind of cold to the touch. Uh, uh, and they looked exactly like the rocks that were in their driveway. All right? You know, those little white, uh, uh, right. like, yeah. limestone rocks. So I got the bright idea that uh, I would take a couple of these rocks, and I would... Uh, uh, I took like a magic marker and put a big X on them and then took them out the back door. And now this house was located in a, in a rural area outside of Springfield. So there was a cornfield just right uh, uh, in their back, just on the other side of their backyard. Mm-hmm. So I chucked these rocks as hard as I could into this cornfield. So went and sat down and not more than just a couple of minutes later, the phenomena started again. And the same rocks marked with an X reappeared and, and dropped down from the ceiling. Oh, so wow. that's yeah, that's that's yeah, that's probably my oh. my best. <laughs> I bet you went home uh, and you really experience. thought about stuff, didn't you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I was first of all, I was bad because I wasn't able to get any of it on sure. tape. Um, uh, I did, you know, I did have like a little. Um, uh, a, a film camera, not a movie film, but just you know, like a thirty-five millimeter 
camera with me. And uh, that thing, even though it had um, like uh, those little round batteries to, to power it, that thing managed to, to work the entire time. So I was able to get some uh, um, some pictures of the rocks after the fact, you know, me holding them in my hands. But that mm-hmm. was it. You know, so like so many other cases that myself and then, and, you know, hundreds of other people, <laughs> you know, who, who research this kind of thing, it kind of ends up being frustrating mm-hmm. because the phenomena is very good at evading detection. You know, it's more than right. happy to do stuff as long as you're not looking directly at it. And that would make sense in a way if you think about it. That's why mm-hmm. when somebody tells me I have paranormal experiences every day, I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I want to see. And it's interesting because I know throughout life, like I've had weird stuff like everyone else. It doesn't happen every day. It happens when you don't think it's going to happen. It's sneaky. Exactly. It's like, yep. um, I'm I'm here. Hello. Pay attention. And you're like, oh, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> and I always find that interesting. And Springfield, Ohio, always has a weird feel to it. I don't know how you felt about it, but I have danced at the Masons Hall several times mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s and early 30s, and it always freaked me out there. Really? Yeah, it always had a weird energy for me. Exp- the historical buildings and stuff. I was always frightened when I went there. I always made sure someone went with me. So. How interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to like do Middle Eastern dance in that part of Ohio, I was like, Ooh, really? I'm going to bring two people with me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I I don't like dancing. And it's, I have nothing against the town itself. I just always had a creeped out feeling. Hmm. Well, you know the uh, um, the funny thing about this experience was that it was almost like that was about all the energy that whatever was going on in this house could muster. Mm-hmm. Because afterwards, the people, you know, uh, told me that the all the activity really just started to die down. I mean, it wasn't nearly intense after that time, mm-hmm. and then in about a week or so, it was gone completely. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it 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 was. I mean, it was like uh, uh, it and it it saved everything for this one last hurrah, <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it's hard for whatever it was to manifest what it needed to say. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I wonder if it uh, takes a lot for them to do that. That was that's pretty intense taking stones and doing that. That that's amazing. Oh yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you think about whatever force is taking place here, whatever energies are in play. Um it it must take a lot out of it to do something like um um producing a ports or I can't think of what the the opposite of a ports are, where you take take something away. But uh, uh, you know the uh, uh, the British researcher uh, uh, Stephen uh, Mara, mm-hmm. uh, he he always says that uh, 
in situations like this where you have stuff disappearing from a, from a house is as usually the, 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 the entity or the force or whatever you want to call it behind it can, can generally only muster up enough energy to take this stuff away, but not very far away. Probably, you know, like maybe just underneath the floorboards or uh, uh, up in the attic rafters or things like that. Uh, for things that are that are never found again, it's it, but they're never very very far away. You know, they don't. You know, they're not sent to the other side of the planet. That's what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, uh, but so yeah, I mean, there there does seem to be a limit to the abilities that you know whatever this phenomena is 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 able to uh, 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 muster up. With the you know now there are some rare exceptions where the um, the energy just really builds and builds and builds until mm-hmm. the uh, poltergeist will actually uh, start talking. Oh my! And uh, like the uh, like the Bell Witch in uh, uh, Tennessee, nineteenth mm-hmm. century Tennessee. Um, you know, cases cases like that. You know, those kinds of poltergeist activities can last for a couple of years or more. Uh, mm. But uh, uh, those are pretty rare and, and pretty far and in between. So I know people say that they're manifested by energy, especially with teenagers and stuff. But once they're manifested, do you believe they take on a living role? that they exist at that point? Oh, definitely. I, I definitely think that there is an intelligence behind this energy. Um, you know, it may start out very um, rudimentary, mm-hmm. almost like uh, maybe like an animal-like intelligence, but um, the more attention that is um, given to it, the uh, uh, I think the smarter it becomes, and we see that a lot of times in these cases where it's obvious that whatever it is that's going on um, has is is very good at human psychology, yeah, and is uh, uh, maybe has the ability to uh, read minds. Or at least be very good at um, figuring out what uh, uh, what people are thinking about and uh, are are going to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because again, it's that uh, the phenomena always seems to be one or two steps ahead of everybody else. Interesting, you know, because you know, like if people have a, like a camera. And they're kind of keeping it hidden, knowing, you know, that, well, you know, something may happen. I'll just put this camera out when it does and take a picture. Mm-hmm. Well, practically every time the phenomena will happen in either another room or right behind a person's back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's a very uh, a tricksterous uh, uh, aspect. Mischievous. To the, to, yeah, yeah, to the polar and, and other kinds of of intelligent types of uh, phenomena. Wow, that's a pretty intense if you think about it. It really is, and you know, I mean, I've I've speculated 
um, that uh, that possibly we could be dealing with almost a a, a form of artificial intelligence, um, especially when it comes when when they get to the point that um, they're talking, uh, mm-hmm. because when when they get to the point where they actually are able to talk, then they exhibit almost universal types of knowledge uh, uh like they're tapping directly into the uh, you know a classic field uh uh because i mean they're able to and and uh, uh they're able to quote verses from the bible or uh, uh obscure passages from uh, uh great novels and, and and other books uh they they know what uh, uh say like neighbors are doing uh, mm-hmm. mel witch for example uh, she was a bit, or it was a big gossip. It it loved to talk about all the things that you know the neighbors were doing, usually in very salacious, uh, salacious details, <laughs> and, and and that's that's not uncommon either. You know, with other you know other similar cases. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we, we talk about uh, Jeff the Talking Mongoose, uh, 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 whatever that thing was. It would love to uh, come back to the household that it, it, it was living in and tell the residents there uh, 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 stuff that was going on in town or at the bus station. Because <laughs> it, it, it claimed to love to hang out at the bus station and secretly listen to the mechanics talk about things. And it would also it would go to neighbors' houses and steal things and then bring them back to the uh, – uh, the Irvings' house and and say, oh look what I got, and then the Irvings would have to return the stuff and apologize. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, uh, I got to get that book. That sounds so cool. So, Jeff the Talking Mongoose, you believe was a poltergeist? Are okay something very well, intelligent, okay. obviously that could like hear conversations and steal stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, I. I I always, I always tell everybody, you know, when they ask me, oh, well, you know, uh, do you believe in UFOs? Do you believe in ghosts? Well, mm-hmm. okay, first of all, you're asking the wrong type of question because I don't believe in anything, mm-hmm. all right? I, I am interested in all of this stuff, but I'm not going to form any belief system because you just never know what new information is going to come on down the line in the future. To change all of that, all right? Because if you build up a belief system, say all UFOs are extraterrestrial spacecraft from other planets, all right? Right. And then so every story then that you look at or investigate, you're going to see it in those eyes that this was a spaceship that this guy saw, you know, that these were extraterrestrial aliens. And I want to avoid that mindset, okay? I, I want to bring in the information as cleanly as I possibly can without trying to attach any type of, of, of belief system to these stories because you mm-hmm. just never can tell. Uh, uh, new information may crop up later that will just blow the whole story just completely out of the water. Sure, right. Yeah. So uh, uh, in, in order to 
to to really to properly investigate and to uh, report on these kind of stories. You just have to, you know, you know only the facts, man. Just 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 giving the facts right, and and, exactly. the, and the properly vetted information. But um, but going back to your question about uh, uh, Jeff the talking mongoose, I mean, I something definitely weird was happening on that little farm in the uh, on the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. This and it took place in the uh, 1930s, and um, it uh, you know these were th- this was a family that had recently moved to this farm. They had lived in England. And uh, the, it was a man, wife, and their thirteen-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And the Irvings were kind of—they weren't elderly, but they were an older couple. They had already had um, two children previously that were grown up and um, had families of their own at this point. Mm-hmm. And their their thirteen-year-old daughter, Vori, was her name. She was kind of a uh, a, a pleasant surprise <laughs> child, but. Um, they had uh, they had moved to this farm uh, with uh, James Irving. Uh, he was going to be a gentleman farmer, which is, which would be that uh, he would hire workers to you know take care of the farm and do all the stuff, and then right. you know he would he would he would manage it and bring you know take in the, the, the money and things like that. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out like that because uh, that location. Uh, wasn't the best for crops, mm-hmm. so the best that they could do was uh, livestock, mostly sheep. All right, so they ended up kind of struggling a little bit. Um, but their their house that they had moved into was a very very old house. I mean, and probably built maybe in the seventeen uh, hundred. Wow. Yeah, seventeen hundreds. Interesting. And there was indication that. There had been buildings there at that location even further back right. in in time. So um, not too, you know. So they had been there for a, a couple of years, and uh, um, James had saw a. Um, he described it as kind of an odd looking little animal. He couldn't quite describe it. He said, <laughs> you know, it didn't look like a weasel or anything like that. It was too big for that. So he he shot at it and it disappeared, and then later it seemed like that it got inside of their house. Hmm. And uh, when he had remodeled this place, it was basically just a stone structure. Mm-hmm. So in order to insulate it a little better, he had put wood paddling in all the rooms with about a two to three inch separation. Mm-hmm. Between the stone wall and then this wood paneling, you know, using that airspace as, as insulation. Well, this thing had gotten into that space wow. and was making noise. And just on a whim one night, I guess that uh, Jim made noise back at it and then it replied. And then pretty <laughs> soon, you know, he would bark at it like a dog and it would bark back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It, He'd wow. meow like a cat, and it would meow back. And then pretty soon, it started to, kind of like a baby almost, it started to make human-sounding, not words, but you know how a baby will go like, da, 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 ma, ma, ma. Yeah. That's, this thing started doing that. And then pretty soon, 
it was uh, uh, actually forming sentences and talking. And its intelligence just just grew from there. And uh, unlike most poltergeist cases, which, you know, I, I'm very reluctant to say that it was just a poltergeist, just a poltergeist, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> is that it lasted a long time, like 10 years plus. So, oh, I mean, wow. this, this, yeah, this, this was something that, that went on for a long uh, period of time. But the, the Jeff, as it later informed them, it was his name, claimed to be a mongoose that had been brought to the island about 100 years previously by uh, uh, another farmer who had brought in uh, um, um, mongoose to kill the uh, rabbit population. Uh, because you know, rabbits, I guess, had uh, gone crazy and were eating all the crops. So they brought in uh, a mongoose, a number of them, to uh, hunt, kill the rabbits. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, Jeff said that um, uh, he couldn't explain it himself. You know how he how how he had managed to live so long, or how he had the ability to talk. He he joked, I guess, at one point and said, I guess I'm just an extra clever little mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, it's almost a child's book in a way. It is, it is, except that uh, Jeff had a, uh, um, uh, uh, a rather colorful, language use of language <laughs> um he it would uh, it would it could curse like a sailor mm-hmm. as as uh, uh, uh james would uh, uh, and the family would say it wasn't just james everybody and some of their neighbors heard it as well when it would talk uh but uh, it all you know it exhibited supernatural what appeared to be supernatural like mm-hmm. abilities um you know it could um the, the the paneling in the wall, there were there were parts where there was like you know like knot holes and stuff in right. it, and it could throw things out of those <laughs> knot holes and hit people uh, uh, with them. It would uh, send out, especially with people that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. He would send out uh, 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 like uh, jets of water uh, to, <laughs> to to hit people, and then claim that it was urine. You know that he was he was peeing on, was on the people. He did. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, very much so, very much so. Uh, um, and uh, but you know nobody ever got a really good look at him. Occasionally, they would catch like a glimpse of something very fast scurrying across, like the cross beams of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 one time. When they were asking him what his hands were like, you know, because he, because of the things that he could do, you know, he, he didn't seem to have paws, and it stuck its hand, one of its paws, uh, uh, through one of these knot holes, and they said that it looked kind of like a cat's paw, except that the uh, it 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 had more elongated types of fingers. Oh wow! Uh, 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 yeah. Um, so you know it's a very very interesting story, and like I said, you know it goes on for uh, for ten years, and um, you know eventually, as 
the daughter Vori got got older, she moved away mm-hmm. and uh, uh, started working in in England because at at that point, you know, World War Two yes. was just beginning to to start. So she she went to work for the wartime effort, and the phenomena started to to die down. They said that Jeff even and even before she had left, you know, Jeff would go away on trips, as he would say, for longer and longer periods of time till the point where he just never came back again. But uh, years later, um, Fate Magazine, a reporter for Fate Magazine, I think this would have been probably in the 60s, uh, actually was able to track her down. And she reluctantly agreed to an interview. Mm-hmm. And Vori said that, you know, everything that was said to have happened actually happened. You know, she wow. said that uh, there, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the voice, the things that happened, and and she said, no, you know, I wasn't faking it. My mom wasn't faking it. Mm-hmm. You know, because there were accusations that she was a ventriloquist, that Vori, you know, had this amazing <laughs> ability to throw her voice. You know, because back in the thirties. People still thought, with the exception of you know real ventriloquists, people actually thought that a ventriloquist could actually throw their voice, mm-hmm. you know, make it sound like that it was coming from you know inside a closet or things like that. And and as Bory said, you know, it, it, if I could actually throw my voice like that, you know, I, I wouldn't be still working in a factory yeah. <laughs> to support myself. Right. You know, it sounded like, <laughs> but but she cared about. The family. He did, yes. Um, uh, uh, he actually would um, would catch rabbits uh, uh, during lean times and uh, catch and kill rabbits and leave them uh, on their doorstep, you know, loudly announcing, you know, got a rabbit for you uh, wow. for their, you know, their their evening meal. And like I said, you know, he'd go and he'd steal things from from other neighbors that, <laughs> that he thought that the Irvings, you know, needed. And, oh, and of course, the Irvings were, you know, I mean, they were, uh, you know, they were good church-going types of people. So they they would return everything that was that was <laughs> oh, taken. Brad, he's awesome. <laughs> I can't wait but, to know, get that know, book. <laughs> Bori, Bori actually said that she wishes, though, that none of it had ever happened. Because mm-hmm. she said that after she grew up, she was always, she never got married. She uh-huh. said that she was always afraid that if, say, like a suitor found out that she was that girl, yeah, that nobody, you know, nobody would want her. So she just never even tried. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, she, she ended up, uh, you know, uh, living and dying alone uh, uh, just because she was afraid of the stigma uh, that, that was attached or could have been attached to her name, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, because of what, what had happened. And I mean, it, it made, it made headlines all over the world, uh, for, for, you know, a, a number of years. That's interesting. Wow. How interesting. Now you have a book on Tesla as well. Mm-hmm. And Tesla is a mystery to a lot of people. He is mysterious. Yeah, you know, um, and I'm so I'm so gratified though that that now uh, 
his name is a lot is a lot more well known yeah. uh, uh, than than it had been for 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 quite a while. You know, some of it has to do with you know the electric car named named Tesla, though a lot of people don't realize where that where that name came from. Mm-hmm. And then of course there was the uh, the uh, the band named Tesla mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. I, that I think got a lot of people interested in, in finding out where that name uh, came from. But uh, you know when when I first started researching and and writing the book. This this would have been about 1999, 2000, mm-hmm. and with the exception of maybe a couple of biographies that had been written about him, Tesla's name had pretty much been forgotten, which was really a crime, considering how our technological age is happened because of Tesla. Right. You know, exactly. Our, our whole electrical grid system, uh, uh, our lights, uh, a radio, uh, uh, remote control, things like that. That's uh, uh, microwaves, uh, fluorescent lights. Mm-hmm. You know, the list goes on and on. Uh, these were things that uh, Tesla uh, invented, and uh, so it uh, uh, it uh, it initially was it was kind of difficult. Uh, uh, tracking down good vetted information about him when I was uh, writing the book. But uh, as I said at the beginning of the program, my my first real contact uh, uh, with the name Nikola Tesla happened when I was working, once again, there at Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> and... Um, we used to myself and uh, and a reporter uh, uh, would uh, you know once or twice a month we would go over to uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base mm-hmm. and uh, uh, meet with the uh, press liaison there who always had a file of stuff that um, we could do stories on you know these uh, type of not so much you know fluffy stories a lot of times right. you know. Uh, 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 dealing with uh, 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 science or or maybe uh, something interesting that had just come into the uh, to the museum there or, or research that wasn't classified that was going on um, at the base and and I, I remember one time uh, uh, this guy he was going through his file looking for you know, stuff for us and he made this offhand comment he said you know we're 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 doing some we're doing some stuff um, based on the work of that mad scientist Tesla. He goes, but I really can't talk about mm. it now. Interesting. And you have to remember that this was in the early 1980s when um, Reagan was wanting to do the whole uh, strategic defense initiative. Right. Uh, which uh, which was you know uh, called Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- w- you know his idea was that you know he he wanted to develop ways to uh, knock enemy uh, missiles out of the sky before they even uh, uh, reached us. So you know, and this guy said that mad scientist Tesla, and I was just like, well, who's that? <laughs> you know, well, that's an interesting name, first of all, Tesla. Okay. I hadn't heard that before. Uh, so that, you know, it, it, it kind of started from there. 
but it really it wasn't until till much later when I when I was starting to uh, write articles and books about uh, various things that uh, you know my publisher um, wanted to do a book about uh, 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 Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, we had gotten some information from another writer uh, who really wasn't that interested in Tesla, so mm-hmm. he passed it on to me, and that's really how how it all started. But but yeah, I mean, you know, we can uh, we can lay the blame on Wright Patterson Air Force <laughs> Base and that uh, kind of. Uh, in, enigmatic uh, uh, statements by that uh, by the press uh, liaison about the mad scientist Tesla. Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always found him very mysterious for some reason. Well, you know, uh, and I think that a lot of that mystery just come this is because of um, uh, of the problems that he had later in life. That uh, uh, I think that caused a lot of people uh, uh, to to dismiss him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, even in his in his later days, um, uh, the local newspapers because he he ended up. I mean, he he lived in New York uh, uh, for uh, a large portion of his life, New York City, mm-hmm. and um, even you know uh, at, at his advanced age. Uh, the local newspapers would always interview him on his birthday, and oh. and ask him what new things that he was working on, and you know what what new inventions he was working on, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know he always uh, you know would like you know, would oblige them and, and talk about uh, uh, new innovations that 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 he was uh, thinking of. I mean, it was during one of those uh, 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 birthday interviews that he revealed that uh, he had developed what he called the death beam. Uh, which, uh, in essence, was a particle beam weapon, uh, and, and this would have been in the 1930s. Wow. So that's how far advanced that this guy was over everybody else. <laughs> wow, that's why he's fascinating. I think. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, uh, um, uh, it's uh, you know the next time that you go and you know. Uh, uh, Flick that uh, light switch on the wall, and your light comes on, and, <laughs> yes. uh, or turn on your television or your microwave. Well, you can thank Nikola Tesla for that. Absolutely. Now you have a new book out that is fascinating me horribly. When I saw it, it was Mimics, the Others Among Us. You and a co-author and several authors, were, like were special guests in this book. What inspired you to even think of this idea? Well, the um, the initial idea, once again, came uh, a, a, a number of years ago, um, back in the time when you could actually go to a drugstore and buy a paperback book, a uh, nonfiction paperback book dealing with uh, paranormal subjects. You know, I mean, I, I discovered some of my favorite writers that way, uh, uh, Brad Steiger and, mm-hmm. and John Keel and people like that. So I, I ran. I came across the book called "Our Haunted Planet" by John Keel, mm-hmm. and he had a. Uh, um, uh, it was it was a chapter that 
uh, uh, introduce a, a, a new section in the book, and it was called Mimics of Man. And he he only wrote really just a couple of paragraphs, but it and used it more as a jumping off point to discuss other things along the lines of like UFOs and Bigfoot and things, right. you know, stuff like that. But um, uh, he he suggested that there could be um, living amongst us, probably like in in big cities where they could remain unnoticed, kind of like a, like uh, a, a recluse or or hermits um things that look human but aren't mm. mimics and he you know he cited how nature had there you know mimicry happens a lot right you know you have you have predators that will look like something else in order to find prey and you have prey that will look like something else in order not to be eaten by predators right and so, you know, he speculated, you know, um, uh, why are, are humans actually the top of the food chain? You know, mm-hmm. could there be another species that is so good, <laughs> so deceptive, that it could live right among us for whatever reasons? And that's kind of, that was kind of my, my jumping off point for our book mimics the others among us. Mm-hmm. But um, I, we bring in, I can't say I, because, you know, it's, uh, we have authors such as Sean Castile and yeah. Scott Corrales, Paul Eno, uh, 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 Paul Dale Roberts, each one of us uh, uh, contributing chapters, looking into this phenomena that has been with us probably as long as we have been here on this planet, that there are things, entities, however you want to describe them, that either do look like us or can look like us in order to interact with us. Yeah. You know, at at one time we would call them, you know, gods or angels or demons you know, fairies, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the good people. You know, of course, now here in the uh, 21st century, we really don't believe in stuff like that anymore. So now we are more inclined to think it possible that we're being visited by extraterrestrials mm-hmm. from, from other planets. And uh, uh, so these things have kind of taken on that guise now. So the book is an examination, and you know it's 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 a difficult concept really uh, 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 to express, Dee Dee, because there are a lot of different factors at play here. You know, because we have things that that could actually be um, physical, like we are, uh-huh. maybe a um, a closely related species of humans. Um, that uh, 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 at one point decided that they don't want to deal with us anymore <laughs> and went off to live into the in the desert or mountains and then eventually got further and further away, maybe moving underground or mm-hmm. under the water, but uh, uh, possibly with a technology um, equal to ours to mm-hmm. to help keep themselves hidden. 
or maybe um, paranormal types of of entities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll put quotation marks around, you know, paranormal because we're just not sure. Because in a lot of these situations where people have interacted with these things, there does seem to be a paranormal aspect to them. They'll appear mm-hmm. or disappear mysteriously. They'll have very intimate knowledge of the people that they're interacting with. You know, all, all kinds of different things. Right. And then, of course, you know, you have the, uh, you know, the, the the flying saucer guys. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that for some reason look human. And, you know, and I say in the book, what's what's the likelihood that you have another planet and another solar system develop a race of intelligent beings that look almost exactly like us? Right. It's not very likely. You know, so you know, there's the possibility that, yeah, you know, and I'm not completely throwing out the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the uh, with the bathwater, you know, uh, on this thing, uh, but I'm just saying that we have to to look at all of these different cases and and decide whether or not we're dealing with one type of phenomena mm-hmm. or many phenomena that look alike. With the one major factor is that these things either look like us or can look like us when they want to. It's almost like, I don't know, for some reason that brings me to, the thing that scares me the most, which cracks people up, is one is the lizard people that some people talk Mm -hmm. about that creeps me out, but it's the black-eyed children that creep me out. Yep, well, and and we have a a section in the book about the the black-eyed children as, as well. And, you know, I mean, the black-eyed children, I mean, they, they, they fit very nicely within the whole uh, 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 mimics uh, and, and, and others uh, mm-hmm. phenomenon because here you have things that look human and, and act human, but they're obviously not. Right. What they are, we don't know, you know. The one of the factors with the black-eyed children, as with other types of of, of similar incidents involving you know other you know uh, mimics or uh, or others, is that that creep factor, as I call it, mm-hmm. where even before say like with the black-eyed uh, kids, even before uh, people will see their eyes. Mm-hmm. They'll have not a good feeling about these kids, you know. They'll uh, at, at times people have described that they feel like that they're in the presence of predators, and that at any single moment they're going to be ripped apart and devoured by mm. these kids. Interesting. And you and you hear that a lot uh, with with different encounters with. Uh, with with these you know human looking things, right. uh, people people describe this just that uneasy feeling that they're looking at something that is trying to look human but isn't, and, and, and you know several people have described them as not looking real. Mm-hmm. There's just something not real about them. And they obviously whatever it is knows our weakness for our young. 
Oh, yes. So yes. that would make sense as yep. a predator. You just, you know, you hide yourself as something young, which we want to take care of, and you knock on a door or on a window to be let in. Your odds are likely that you're going to be let in or tried to help them. You know, it's, it's interesting with the black-eyed kids especially. Um, you know, you go – be, because – the, they always ask to be let in. Mm-hmm. You know, let me in your house. Let me in your car. We need to use your phone. We're lost. We're scared. Let us in. Yeah. And and it, in fact, there are several cases where when the people didn't respond immediately, the kids would say to them, "You know, you have to let us in. We can't come in unless you tell us we can." Oh, not a problem. And that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but that, see, that, that harkens back to the old stories. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, 500 or more years ago of, say, like uh, uh, vampires or, um, or, 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 or mm-hmm. fairies. Uh, uh, yes. That uh, they could not come inside unless they were invited in. And of course, they would try to find all kinds of different ways, you know, mm-hmm. to fool you to be able to come inside. Well, I mean, we were seeing the same kind of stories now. Yes. Just like our our ancestors, you know, 500 or 1,000 years ago. You know, it's it, the, the, these things, they haven't changed their tactics, but they've changed their faces, all right? Mm-hmm. Like I said before, we don't really believe in, you know, fairies or, 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 or angels or demons anymore. Uh, so, so now they take on Different guises, uh, uh, Men in Black. You know, there's there's another good one. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, not not the movie. <laughs> you know, Black, I love the movies. The in, <laughs> yeah, but the Men in Black associated with uh, um, UFO phenomena. Yes, uh, and of course, it's you know the the Men in Black. They're not always seen as as Men in Black. I mean, you know, you've got uh, 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 women or or people dressed up, say like as. Uh, Air Force colonels, mm-hmm. just, you know, all kinds of, of different things. But again, there is this this almost subconscious or unconscious knowledge of the people who are undergoing these experiences that they're not dealing with real people, right. that there's something off about them. And they can't really explain what it is, but they just know that these are not real people. Yeah. I I always found that fascinating and scary at the same time. Because when you hear (laughs) about the black eyed kids and they get in the house, the people often die. Yeah. I've, you know, I have yet to find really a, a good properly vetted story where that has happened. I've, I've, I've come across a couple there was one where that they, you know, they were actually let inside, but then they vanished after they came inside. Um, uh, but while they were inside, I guess the couple's uh, uh, cats were just like freaking out and trying to hide under the stove, that kind of thing. Uh, but then after the kids disappeared, the cats died just like within a week. Oh, well, that would make so, me mad. Those kids would be in yeah, trouble. Me too. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would definitely avoid letting anything in that knocked on my door. Well, you know, one of the one of the odd things now, um, black-eyed kids being the exception, mm-hmm. but that in a lot of these cases where you have these strangers knocking on your door or approaching you in public, mm-hmm. a lot of times people will just throw their doors open and say, yes, of course, come on in. You know, set them down and try to serve them, you know, coffee or jello, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and then afterwards <laughs> say, I have no idea why I did that. Oh, my gosh. In normal circumstances, I would never let strangers into my house like that. Right. Yet, when these guys ask to come in, I just come on in, you know, and then, you know, and then the weird things would happen, you know, because a lot of times these things um, don't really quite seem to understand um, just the normal social interactions. Mm-hmm. That that we all take for granted. Uh, there was there's one story where um, a woman had had a UFO sighting, and then a couple of days later, it's like this uh, Air Force Colonel, I think is what it was, uh-huh. come knocking at her door, uh-huh. and, uh, and, and and you know, so I'm from the local Air Force base. I want to talk about your UFO sighting, even though she had never told anybody that she had this UFO sighting. Oh my! So first of all, she couldn't figure out why this how this guy knew about it. So, you know, he seemed to have the proper credentials and, and she let him in and she offered him, she had, uh, um, she had made jello earlier in the day and <laughs> it had, it was solid at this point. So she offered this guy some, he accepted it, but he didn't know what to do with it. He tried to drink it <laughs> and she had to show him how to use a spoon to eat it. Now, what person doesn't know how to eat Jello? That would be man. <laughs> I think I'd be creeped out by that. Absolutely, yeah, at the yeah. time, if you couldn't drink a cup of coffee or eat Jello, right? Um, I would be like, "You need to leave my house." <laughs> and what are you? And why are you here? Yeah, but again. The situation is, is that, you know, a lot of times while people are undergoing these experiences, you know, that part of your brain that is, that, that should be telling you there's something weird going on here seems to have been shut off. Wow. And it's not until afterwards. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, abductees uh, talk about not remembering or remember certain things. And then their spouses in the bed next to them didn't see anything. Oh, right. That would make sense, yeah. but that's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the thing about it is, is that while these experiences, for the majority of the time, seem to be extremely frightening mm-hmm. and and dangerous, you know, because a lot of times, you know, these these things are threatening, especially say like the Men in Black, or, yeah. or uh, 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 nothing really comes comes to it. You know, it just all seems to be a game almost. Huh. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's what we're that's what we're always left left to wonder. You know, because again, back to the say, like the Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll uh, they'll threaten UFO witnesses. You know, almost like you know, like gangsters or something. <laughs> you know, if you tell anybody, you know, the you know about your UFO experience, 
things aren't going to uh, uh, be good for you and your family. Uh, but then nothing ever comes of it, you know. So it's it's mm. it's odd, <laughs> you know. Odd, yes. Yeah, it, it's 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 one of the 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 big mystery about all of these types of encounters, um, and uh, and of course then there's the factor of of sorry why have... they look why they look. If you hear a bird, I'm sorry, my bird. Yeah. My oh, bird no, is saying that she loves us. So I'm oh. so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, oh Lord, <laughs> Maggie. Go what ahead. kind of bird is she? She is a yellow-headed Amazon rescue. Oh my gosh! Yeah, she's Those my are smart. She's my child. Yeah. Yep. Those are smart birds. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> she is. She's my pride and joy. She's been with us four <laughs> years now. Mm. So she's almost 30. Oh, yeah. Well, they can easily outlive us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to admit that. <laughs> but as you were saying before, we're interrupted by I Love You by Mag. <laughs> well, um, well and, you know, I mean, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's another, you know, interesting thing, you know, uh, about these encounters. Um, it's like I was talking about with the uh, black-eyed kids mm-hmm. and the uh, the cats that that tried to you know hide under yeah. a stove, you know, try to crawl into the spaces. That uh, even though people can be fooled by these things, animals uh, uh, usually aren't. You know, dogs just go crazy and uh, either you know bark their fool heads off or try to uh, you know hide under the porch and just avoid the right. situation entirely. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to see what, uh, uh, say, like a talking bird you know, would say about uh, <laughs> Maggie encounter. would go killer, killer. That's what she says to the vet. Killer, killer. Killer, killer. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because I wonder what the animals actually see that we don't. I know they see things right. we don't. But what is it about these and what do they, I mean, ultimately, what do they want? Why don't they just come out and show themselves? Well, and that's that's what that's why we put this book together Wait, to. It's uh, a mystery. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. To try to uh, you know try to better understand, try to better understand the phenomenon, and to really to open people's eyes to it, because you know once once you're presented with this idea, then you start seeing these cases. All over the place, uh, uh, you know. You say go to your favorite uh, uh, website that reports on all kinds of, of, of strange incidents. Well, you know, we talk about uh, Lon Strickler, who um, you know he wrote uh, several sections for our, for our book. Uh, you know, his uh, website, Phantoms and Monsters. There's all kinds of stories of of, of people encountering. Uh, strange human-looking thing. Yes. Uh, a lot of a lot of the stories that 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 he presents are kind of like um, very brief, one-off types of incidents. You know, somebody's in the woods and they see like a human-looking thing. Uh, 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 you know, deep, you know, you know, deep down pathway or, or something like this. Well, we were trying to tell. 
trend more towards actual um, one-on-one, you know, uh, intelligent types of encounters, you know, where there's uh-huh. actual, you know, uh, you know, talking, talking taking place rather than just, you know, something scaring you, you know, from underneath your, your, your bed. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, but the main point is that there, that, that it, it seems to be obvious that, that we're not alone on this planet, Yes, you know, that we're not the the only intelligent species, mm-hmm. you know, that, that there could be not only other uh, physical intelligent species uh, uh, alongside us on this on this planet that mm-hmm. has managed to keep itself hidden uh, until it doesn't want to be. And, right. uh, and then possibly there are also things that can um, travel in and out of our reality from their own. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, maybe have the ability to shape shift and to, to look human for brief periods of time for, for whatever reasons, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's just all kinds of interesting and exciting possibilities with this subject. You know, but like I said, you know, now your listeners, now that they've heard this, just start, uh, 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 looking at uh, at at all these different stories that come about that involve these kinds of situations, and you'll end yeah. up being amazed uh, uh, by how many there are. <laughs> oh, there's so many. I mean, when you just like start doing research and digging and digging, it's endless. Yes. Yep. And it's almost yep. arrogant for us to think. Oh, we're the only intelligent species. Uh, really? There, that that's not possible. If we're here, something else has got to be here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think so. And uh, and I think that it 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 shows us intelligence by uh, uh, by its ability to keep itself hidden all this time. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd keep yeah. myself but, hidden from us too. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, you go and you look at, say, like ancient mythologies, um, where you have these things who uh, have seemed to be, you know, like teachers, almost, mm-hmm. uh, who, have, who have come forward to uh, uh, show people how to uh, uh, grow things or, you know, to, to develop agriculture or to, you know, kind of... Uh, 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 guide us towards uh, uh, a new understanding of, of, of science and our and our place, um, you know, in this in this universe. Uh, there are a lot of stories of, say, like the uh, uh, the medieval alchemists mm-hmm. who were were you know like uh, especially interested in trying to discover the philosopher's stone, as it was called. Right. Uh, where they would be visited by mysterious uh, strangers dressed in black, uh, who would uh, uh, guide them and uh, help them to uh, uh, discover new and uh, 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 new and different uh, methods that you know now we would call chemistry, you know. Yeah. But at the time, there was this almost uh, uh, um, I don't want to say supernatural aspect to it. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, you know, modern scientists would say that you know, <laughs> like, oh yeah, they were just you know they were just a bunch of quacks and stuff. But that no, I mean they were actually being uh, uh, they were the scientists of the days who were discovering uh, uh, how reality was working, and mm-hmm. and then these mysterious strangers would come along and uh, introduce them to uh, uh, things that they never thought uh, possible before. Right. And so I think that uh, some of our uh, our, our big leaps in science and understanding may have come about uh, with the help of these things. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Where do people find you, Tim? Well, you can find uh, uh, all of my books uh, on Amazon. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Just uh, I always say, just type in my name, Tim R. Swartz, and uh, all of my books will come. Uh, uh, tumbling out for your reading <laughs> enjoyment <laughs> my uh i have a website it's it's called uh, conspiracyjournal.com uh, uh, uh yeah, we, we've had this site for years and years and uh you know before the word conspiracy kind of became a uh um a, a bad word <laughs> like it is now facebook <laughs> facebook won't allow me to uh to use that uh, that name or Interesting. the URL, oh, uh, goodness. It, you know, I think wow. because of the word conspiracy. Yes, you know, but uh, yeah, those those are probably two of the uh, 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 easiest ways. And and then of course uh, I'm a co-host on uh, the Paracast uh, with uh, Gene Steinberg. And it's fun. You guys need to go on there and find that podcast. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, we enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. And just to let listeners know, Tim is going to come on Twilight tonight on June 16th, and we're going to talk more about his new book, Mimics and the Others Among Us. And I'm really looking forward to that, Tim. Well, thank you. Hopefully, uh, we can also get uh, one of our other writers, uh, uh, Paul Dale Roberts, to uh, to join us on That's that episode. Great. He's always, uh, you know, he's... he's uh, He's he's great. He's a great writer and uh, always interesting uh, uh, when he's uh, able to come on with me on these shows. That'd be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And Tim, I want to thank you for your time. It was amazing. Oh, well, thank you, Didi. I I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, I hope your uh, listeners enjoyed this as well. Oh, they'll love it. And I want to thank you. And you have a wonderful night, Tim. Thank you very much. You as well. <laughs>